0: Answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth Financials Money
1: Matters. This is Pat McLean, and today I have a special guest David Shower. David, thanks for uh, being on the show today. Good to be here. Um, so uh, if you're a podcast listener or terrestrial radio listener, you're probably thinking, where's Scott Hansen? Well, Scott Hansen um, had a family member, not a child or his wife, who had some uh, medical issues. And Mr. Hansen um, has flown to Southern California to spend some time uh, with that said relative. So uh but David, if you've been a listener to the show for any length of time, uh, he is a guest often. And um, in fact, if you subscribe to our newsletters, uh, you might see his uh, quarterly commentary on the markets as well. So uh, David has been with uh, Allworth for how many years now? About 22. 22 years, and he is uh, an MBA.
2: Not
1: not exactly, but... What is it? MS. Okay, master's in... Mm -hmm. Finance. And then a charter financial analyst, Mm -hmm. a certified financial planner. Um, So he uh, not only is a practicing advisor that works with people just like yourself on a daily basis, he helps steer the investment committee, helps steer the investment committee, in the portfolio. So great depth of knowledge. I often like to refer to David as the smartest man which, in the room, which is definitely incorrect, <laughs> but you started here. How old were you when you started when I was young? Uh, twenty twenty 22, 22 years old, yep. right out of college, right. uh, came in doing, uh, trades and, and working with us. And, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch, uh, David's, um, growth through the organization and, um, I don't talk much about this but we have a a program that we work with uh local colleges where we have an internship program where uh students in uh finance come through the organization while they're in college and I believe we've hired uh
2: a- we've hired at this point four full- time uh actually five excuse me and uh, we have another two
1: um interns, if you will. So it's, uh, and do you run that program or? Yes. Um, so David actually selects and we Should I take it
2: back six, six. sorry, I'm, I'm going through people as you, as you speak. So, so yes. six
1: people that have started as interns and it is a, um, it is, uh, it's a hard, uh, th- this is what the interns have told me that it is a difficult position. There's lots of applications for the internships. Is that correct? There is. Um, yes. So uh, and the six that we have hired have uh, not all of them have progressed to be financial planners. Some work in our plan benefit the division. Some have mm-hmm. gone over to accounting and, and many of them actually um, start by supporting uh, financial advisors and then moving into that role full time. Yes, so,
2: there definitely is a learning curve.
1: Yes, there yep. is. Uh, there is. Anyway, so enough about us. Uh, and thank you for being here again, David. Um, we're going to take a ton of calls. Uh this hour, we are going to um, answer questions. And if you'd like to join the show, 833 worth that's 833 999 833-999-6784. And we'll go right to the calls. Um, and if you'd like, uh, give us a call and we'll get you uh, on the air. We're talking with Betty. Betty in California, thanks for joining All Worse Money Matters.
3: Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to a conversation.
1: As are we. What can we do for you?
3: Well, I'm very interested in changes that are taking place with regard to IRAs. Um, I have a 401K. I'm a sole proprietor of of a small business and my plan in terms of contributions to the ira was to really forward the beneficiaries i understand now there's a lot going on with regard to eliminating the stretch ira so what i would like to explore is what the opportunities are to be able to move from to transfer those funds into a roth
1: all right, and so let me ask you a couple of questions. You said you're putting money into a company, your sole proprietor, so you have what is often referred to as a Unicay or self-employed 401k. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. And I
1: assume you have no employees. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. Okay,
1: and what is the approximate balance in that 401k? Um,
3: about, uh, let's see, about a, a 680.
1: Okay, and do you have any money in IRAs?
3: Uh, yes, I do. This, the same amount.
1: So you have uh, six approximately... Two,
3: but two separate accounts. Okay. The uh, the the sole proprietor for a 1K is the one that I wanted to explore most in terms of looking at being able to transition into a Roth. Got it. And how,
1: what is your approximate income?
3: Mm, about 240. And...
1: Um, and I, I know it's rude to ask someone's age, but it's kind of germane to the conversation uh, because uh, distributions from IRAs are actually triggered at, at by age. What absolutely, is your age?
3: Absolutely, and that's not sensitive at all. The age is seventy nine.
1: And you're still working.
3: Absolutely. Oh, good for you. Good
1: for you. Um, so have you? You've obviously started your required minimum distributions.
3: Yes, okay. yes, at the required point of seventy point five. okay,
1: and are you uh, are you giving uh, any money to charities, and if you are are you using the required minimum distributions to do so?
3: No, no, I have not done that okay
1: are you are you uh, if you are giving money to charities, that should come out of the required minimum distribution first.
3: Mm-hmm. And, uh, I understand that, okay. and I've decided that charity begins at oh, home in terms of family. Perfect, perfect.
1: Sure. All right, so David, do you want to talk a, a little bit about the changes in the re- uh, required minimum distributions in the stretch IRAs?
2: Well, with the required, dist- you're not referring to qualified charitable giving. You're referring to the they're, going from a beneficiary stretch to, let's say, a 10-year stretch. Correct, correct. So that, that's kind of really what they're looking at is just you know taking it from potentially a 20- 20 or 25-year or longer uh, stretch provision to really capping that at 10 years. Uh, so depending upon how many beneficiaries you have
1: and their marginal tax rate,
2: exactly. Um, it it may not be much of an issue. I mean, generally I'll say how many people actually stretch their IRA to the greatest extent possible. It's
1: very, a very small percentage. Very, very few. So how many beneficiaries do you have? Okay. And are they in a lower uh, marginal tax rate? Uh, And you might not know exactly, but you can guess. Are they in a lower, the same, or higher? I don't know
3: that exactly. I would think that that they would be, yes. In a lower? Yes, that's correct. Okay.
1: So, you know, if your income wasn't $240,000 a year, this would be a relatively straightforward uh, way to deal with it. But as a matter of course... If you're going to do a Roth conversion, you're taking dollars out of a qualified account and you're paying taxes on it in order to right now, and then you're converting it so it grows tax deferred and comes out tax free. You're doing it at your marginal tax rate.
3: If you, that is correct. If
1: your beneficiaries are at a lower marginal tax rate, then it is not a good idea to do that. And the reason okay, is.
3: that. That's really helpful for me to hear. Right, and, 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 and now, if your
2: income dropped, do you anticipate working to the same degree now, a year or two or three from now? Will you slowly fade your probably, income? Probably,
3: probably uh, twelve to eighteen months forward, and after that, no. Then, then uh, it would be reduced significantly. So
1: that is the time that you would explore uh, conversion to the Roth IRA from the IRA, because many people just think about themselves when they're doing the Roth conversion. And really what you want to, and you had stated, you know, charity begins at home, that the purpose of these dollars is to spread them downstream. Um, you pulling money out and paying it, you know, at a, a you know, state and federal tax rate of 40% plus. And uh, by the way, Betty is in the state of California. and yes.
3: That's correct,
1: uh, and then your your kids receiving those dollars tax free when they could have actually pulled them out at thirty percent or lower makes no sense whatsoever. You would actually be paying the government more than you had to. Now that's
3: okay. The, that that is really good to hear yeah. because that was not something I'd considered at all. That's that's very very helpful. Yeah, and
1: so, in a year and a half from now, if you're uh, you're no longer working. Then at that point in time, call the show and we'll actually crunch through the numbers. Through and and actually, in, in our situation here, we have uh, Allworth Tax Services and we involve accountants in not only the CFP or the advisors working with the clients. We oftentimes will involve the, our tax services division in those calculations so that we could project out multiple years um, to do that. Now, the question I then ask is, how much money do you have outside of this, these IRAs or Roth IRAs solo or, case. Or, or solo Ks? Mm, let's
3: see, right around 300. Okay. And,
1: you know, one of the things you should be looking at, and I assume you seem uh, pretty educated, I'm sure you have a stock and bond portfolio. Is that,
3: that is correct.
1: You should really uh, be considering whether you should be keeping more of your bonds in the IRAs and solo Ks and the uh, stock, stock outside, outside of it. Outside of it. Right? So think about this. Bonds, you derive income from them, and uh, you you will get a step-up in basis, but you're not assuming any uh, real capital appreciation in your bond portfolio. It's pr- primarily as an income and an anchor or floor on the portfolio. Mm-hmm. And stocks, actually, at your death under current tax law, receive what's called a full step-up in basis. And most people have it backwards. Most people will have more equities inside of their portfolios and less equities outside and it's the other way around. So, so Betty
2: with that 300,000, okay. what is generally your allocation with that 300 that's outside of retirement plans?
3: I'm sorry, would you would you ask that again? I didn't follow that. Sure,
2: the 300,000 that you have outside of IRA your IRA and solo K
3: Mm-hmm. Is
2: that mainly we, how is that
1: broken down between it stocks cash and bonds? or stocks or what? What what's it invested? Oh, that
3: in? that would simply be in savings. Okay, oh, it's so cash.
1: so so this is exactly. So if you were sitting in a qualified advisor's office, and I most certainly would would uh, include Allworth in that equation of qualified advisors, the first thing to do would be determine your risk tolerance or what you needed to do with a portfolio. So we'd say, okay. Let's assume Betty needs a portfolio that's 50-50, and you probably know what that is, how much you have in equities versus stocks or bonds, equities being a stock, how much you have okay. in bonds and cash, how much you have in other things. And then you say, okay, it needs to be 50-50. That's the first thing you do. The second thing is, which is the most tax advantage manner to hold these, inside the IRA or outside the IRA? And from what you've told me so far... Unless you have a complete bond portfolio, if you have equities in your portfolio, those should be represented in the money outside the IRA.
2: And Betty, just another question, is the 300,000 or do, well, if I back that up, do you have
1: a trust?
3: Yes, I do. Okay.
2: And the 300,000 is in the name of the trust.
1: That is correct. Okay. So that's the, the you know, you, I know you didn't ask the question, but you were asking about tax efficiency, and that's the next mm-hmm. question you should, that we would be, that you need to answer yourself is, do I have the right assets and the right accounts in order to achieve my objectives? I and mean, your objective is to push it downstream, which means the equities, especially if they're index funds or individual equities, you want them outside of the IRA, not inside.
3: That is all such helpful information, and it's the first time I've heard that that type of an explanation and a strategy. So thank oh, you. That's very, very. I, well, I helpful. appreciate
1: the uh, the call, uh, and I'm glad you enjoy work so much. Uh, I personally hope my wife enjoys work at the age of 79 years of age.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she would agree with me. Well, I, I appreciate that. This is very helpful. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's been a bit stressful deciding, you know, what I needed to investigate. So this simplifies it tremendously. It's
1: easy. It's easy. All right. Appreciate the call. And let's go to the next call. We're going to talk with John. John, thanks for joining All Worse Money Matters. Well, thank you. What can we do that's for you? Him?
4: Well, um, I'm at a dilemma here. I've got about six hundred and fifty thousand between a four hundred one k and annuity, and about fifty thousand in cash. I have a house uh, that's worth about six six hundred thousand, but I owe two twelve. So, I'm wondering if I should pay pay down the house. Either a hundred thousand or pay the two hundred and twelve thousand off completely, uh, and you know which would be more advantageous uh, to do. It's kind of a tough decision. I've heard other people when they had uh, you know only owed a hundred thousand on the house, it's kind of a slam dunk. Go ahead and pay off the house. And, uh, but I'm kind of not quite at that point. And
1: are you working today?
4: I'm. One day a week, so I'm I'm bringing in a little bit. I'm bringing in about a thousand a month or so. And how, how old are you? are you? I'm a pair of sixes. Okay.
1: And uh, do you have enough money to live on in terms of income? Are you taking any money out of the annuity or the cash account or the IRA on an ongoing basis? No, not not
2: yet. Is the annuity a retirement account or is that an after-tax annuity? A non-qualified
4: annuity.
1: It, a retirement account. Okay, okay so it's a four hundred and three b. You were you worked at a hospital or a nonprofit or a school? No,
4: no, it's no, it's IRA. an annuity that I purchased about oh, inside the IRA uh, six months ago. So yeah,
1: okay. Um, okay. We're gonna we're gonna circle back on that here in a minute. What's the interest rate on your house? Uh,
4: three and five eighths.
1: All right. So here's a general rule of thumb, um, which is. We like people to go into uh, retirement with their house paid for. Um, But if you don't get there, um, then maybe what you do is you have the longest mortgage possible and you uh, have the longest mortgage possible and you realize you're never going to pay it off um, and you're just then managing for cash flow. So in this situation, um, how much time do you have left on your mortgage?
4: Uh, about twenty years. Okay. So I have. S- but I, I should mention to you, my wife is is uh, a bit younger than me, thirteen years younger. So she's still working, and between what we have going on, uh, we've got five streams of, of income right now.
2: What's your total income, approximately?
4: Uh, a little over ten thousand a month.
5: And
2: that's take home, or that's
1: gross?
4: Uh, that's gross. Okay.
1: So uh, if I were to do anything, I might take some of the money out of the savings account and push it against there and ask them to re the mortgage. What's the current interest rate, David? About, on
2: a- uh, not too far from that.
1: Okay. So it doesn't make sense to refinance it.
2: No. What, what I was thinking is how how much longer is your wife going to continue working?
4: Uh, she's 54, so uh, probably another eight
2: years. And is she participating in a retirement plan?
4: No. uh, No, she doesn't have any retirement uh, plan
2: going
4: on. I'm the retirement plan.
2: Sure. (laughs) With respect to your kind of discretionary income, um, for instance, let's say you wanted to pay off the house over the duration of her working year, so eight years. Um, If we ran the number, do you have room in your monthly budget to put more against the mortgage?
4: Um, Yeah, we probably do. How much? Um, probably, a uh, probably a couple thousand if we really were pressed to do
1: it. And David,
2: why? Well, it just gets them to a point where when she does retire and her income presumably is going to drop away. A lot. They're going to be, there's going to be a pay cut of sorts. And you wouldn't have to take the tax hit that you would have to take today to pull from the 401k and the annuity to pay down the house. And it would put
1: – go ahead. Oh, and so how much is your uh, – John, how much does your uh, wife make uh, gross on a monthly basis?
4: She's gross is uh, about uh, 4000 a month.
1: So I'm kind of following you. Uh, I kind of like uh, where David is going with this, which is if we can get rid of the house payment by the time she retires um, – then you're essentially you could probably keep your income relatively stable. Because when you think about a mortgage, money not going out is exactly the same as coming in when you're in retirement. And where's that money coming from to pay that mortgage off over the next 20 years? It's going to come from your IRAs or your savings in some form or fashion. So, so what's your
2: current principal and interest payment?
1: Uh my
4: interest is three and five-eighths, and the payment's uh, 1800
2: And that does not include taxes, or it does?
4: Uh, no, that includes taxes. It so it's probably okay. around
1: $1,500 yeah. a month. So as
2: you say, if, if you make a payment of 2550 uh, for just principal and interest, so let's say you increase your payment by a thousand to eleven hundred, it pays you off your mortgage in, right. in eight years.
1: And why, what's wrong with taking some of that fifty thousand oh, dollars in that, the that, bank?
2: Sure, absolutely. I just don't know what their comfort level is of taking that down to a point of.
1: But he's over—he's sixty-six years age, and all that money that's in his IRAs is completely accessible agreed. to him without penalty. Agreed. It's just taxable. So, um, so maybe you take forty thousand dollars you take $40,000 out of the uh, out of the savings and you put it lump sum down on the mortgage and then you reamortize the mortgage, which means you figure out what the payment is. And David will give it to you here in a second so that the house is paid off in eight years. So your wife retires in eight years, that $4,000 a month goes away. But at the same time, you that $4,000 in income goes away. At the same time, your expenses go away by uh, a significant amount.
2: So if you dropped – I just did the math. Right. If, if you dropped 25000 on the mortgage, so it kept you twenty five liquid, your payments that you would – you'd need to make it a payment of about 750 more per month to pay it off in eight years.
1: So you'd have to make a payment of $2,350 right. a month. And I like that idea. That's the best way to do it. Taking the money out of the IRAs and doing it there – is probably not the best idea because it's it. There's great to put them in the
2: highest tax bracket of their of their life going forward.
1: Yes, yeah, so you're going to put drive yourself into a higher tax bracket, and this actually will have no effect on your tax bracket whatsoever.
4: So the twenty three fifty is that putting a chunk of money down cash yes. twenty
1: twenty five? Yeah, yep. yeah. So
2: taking twenty five of your fifty that's in cash.
4: Okay,
1: lumping okay. P- putting
2: that as a as a one time payment on the mortgage, and then changing okay. your payment. Uh, increasing it by $750 a month, then changes the payoff from a 20-year mortgage to an eight-year mortgage. Okay. And leaving the IRAs and, alone. Uh,
4: that would be that would be getting a whole new mortgage. No, 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 no. no,
2: no, 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 no. no that's no, just, just
1: you changing your payments. Just changing so your payments. Just, I
4: just add the extra. That, correct. That's right. And exactly. then the
1: memo box, right, apply to principal.
4: Principal only. Okay, yeah, got yeah.
1: it. Yeah, and that's – there now, so that's the answer to that. That's a simple – what? Tell me about the annuity you purchased six months ago and why.
4: Well, um, I was dealing with one company to purchase an annuity, and that didn't work out. I was, I was lied to, and so then I went with somebody else actually rather quickly and uh, just wanted some stability and not have anything. I, I didn't want it to go down. I wanted it to gain something but not go down. And
1: did you buy an indexed annuity?
4: It's, I don't think it's an indexed annuity. It's just um, they, the last 10 years it was averaging 6.8%. But the last 10 years, that's,
1: it's, you know, a, everybody did. Yeah, that's well a different story. Um, yeah. So I, I, I would have taken probably a little bit different tact in that just because the cost associated with annuities – which is right. I would have probably overweighted your portfolio a little bit more fixed income uh, to take the risk out of the portfolio and not bought the annuities. And the, and the reason is, you know, this is not so much for uh, you, John, but it's for the rest of the listeners. What does an insurance company actually do with that money that you give them inside of that annuity, right? What, what do they do with it? Well, they have the same access to the investments that you do. Same access. So what they end up doing is they end up buying bonds in their portfolio. Right? So what they did is they added a layer in the food chain to your portfolio that paid a salesman a commission to buy that. And that that was paid a commission. And they stuffed it full of what you could have had in your portfolio anyway for a lot less money, which is uh, lots of high-quality uh, either u s government or high quality uh, debt and instruments primarily bond um, so that and what you were trying to do is what we've seen many, many people do is try to isolate themselves from uh, what they Volatility. believe to be perceived risk in the portfolio um, right and in fact, later on, after the break, we're gonna talk a little bit uh, so I appreciate the I appreciate the call, John um, and thanks for sure. uh, joining us on air. Um, after the break. Let's talk a little bit about um, these index annuities. Great article I just read about how these insurance companies are actually kind of um, how would you kind say? It? I would say almost gaming the
2: the vernacular that they're using, meaning indexes. Anyways, we'll go into
1: yeah, it. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about it and why uh, there are uh, lawsuits that are starting against these insurance companies and why there'll be um, probably. Many more in the future, so um, we will do that after the break. If you'd like to join the show, it's 833-99-WORTH. It's 833-999-6784, and we've got David Shower on today. As I uh, stated at the beginning of the show, uh, Scott Hanson has a uh, family member who is having some uh, medical issues, not, and it's not his wife or children, for those of you who... No, Scott, it is not um, his wife or children, and he has taken some time off work to spend uh, with that uh, family member. So, um, so we will be back right after this.
0: Do you have a financial question that needs answering? call us at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-W-O-R-T-H. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Cap am McLean
1: and a guest today who's a longtime associate here at Allworth, 22 years, David Schauer. Um, masters in, good to be here masters in finance cfp certified financial planner chartered financial analyst and um and mr hansen is out uh today helping uh, one of his relatives that is uh, going through some health issues which is earlier in the week i was um was meeting with uh the manage, uh, management team here at allworth and um I spent a couple times talking about seasons of life. I spent a couple minutes talking about seasons of life and how uh, the organization uh, of Allworth is a collection of people, which all organizations are a collection of people. And that uh, if we strive to make um, Allworth one of the uh, premier places for people to work, we have to recognize that everyone has different seasons in their life, everyone. Um, and not just seasons of career seasons where, you know, there's a growth phase or there's a leveling phase or there's a, a retirement phase, but the little stuff like, you know, a sick child or parent or spouse or, um, or marital difficulties or uh, mental health issues or whatever it is, right, um, that we need to as an organization – uh, not only recognize it, but embrace the fact that everyone has a season, seasons of life. And, uh, you know, I can tell you, I've been here for almost 27 years. <laughs> <that> <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> it all works uh, that I have personally had many seasons of life, some great and some just absolutely horrific. Sure. Uh, and that uh, anyway, so this is one of the seasons in Scott's life where he's got. Uh, responsibilities above and beyond that of uh, his clients and um, his workplace where he needs to uh, be there for a family member and um, so that is why mm-hmm. mr Hansen Scott Hansen is not here uh, today so anyway we're gonna take some calls about your money if you'd like to join the show dial 833 ninety nine worth that's eight three three nine nine six seven eight four or you could go to our website site, allworthfinancial.com. We're going to go to the phones. We're going to talk with Dan, Dan in uh, beautiful San Antonio, Texas.
5: Dan,
6: Gentlemen, at- thank you for taking my call.
5: Thank
1: and you. I am in
6: the fall season of, of my life getting <laughs> ready for for retirement, and I want to be able to protect uh, my investment. So uh, I want to get your read on something. All righty. Sure. So uh, stories in the media have been abundant about the trade wars between the U.S. and China. And obviously, it, it impacts the stock market on a daily basis almost. And I'm concerned about the amount of investments the Chinese government really has in the United States, being stocks, bonds, real estate, etc. So how do I, as an investor, evaluate my holdings or future holdings and really look into the amount of influence that china may have in my
1: investments good question good good question and
2: we're assuming they're doing it in a given your thesis in a transparent way because i i suspect um for instance chinese own maybe a trillion dollars of u.s treasuries that's uh that's a common knowledge that's accounting uh they are on record as owning that um, kind of what I kind of hear and somewhat of the of what you're describing is through other subtle means, um, maybe right. through shell companies, what have you, owning uh, shares in a myriad of corporate Correct. U.S. companies. That's yes. yeah, that that's going to be a more difficult thing to try to uncover as to, um, for instance, a, let's say a a, for, a foreign mutual fund that owns shares of. Said large cap company um, is that foreign fund that may be domiciled in China backed or government money in that that's uh, I don't I don't know that we that's uncoverable at this point
1: and but I would take it one question f- further it's it's the, the, what what what's dangerous to the portfolios the risk you can't see, not the risk you can, right? So okay. you're asking about a risk that you can partially see, right? And a risk that you you can't partially see. So this this is a it, it it's it's emotionally it it's it's on your radar because as you said it's the fall of your life and you're getting for ready for retirement. Did you worry about this right. ten years ago? Were, were you worried about not. external forces ten years ago? Because I could go back the last 50 years and give you every reason in the world that you should not have invested based upon uh, things that were happening in the global environment. Every reason Mm -hmm. we could go back to, you know, Cuban missile crisis. We could go back to, you know, Bill Clinton's uh, impeachment. We could point at Donald Trump's impeachment. We could go back and, and give you a scenario of, of, all the bad things. What really needs to be done is recognize that the thing that 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 will that put your retirement off track or derail it is the amount of risk with a given rate of return in your portfolio and your distribution rates. That's what we know. So mm-hmm. you say, "Well, how old are you? Uh, Dan sixty one. Okay. And are you married? Yes, okay. How much money, or is how much of a as a percentage do you plan on taking out of this uh, account upon retirement? Upon retirement.
6: Well, it's um, basically a four hundred one k. Okay, what's the size Um, of it? So so it's about eight hundred thousand. Okay. And um, probably three thousand a month.
1: Okay. So over
6: over extended, obviously, in the fall of my life, I still have the winter to go. (laughs)
3: <laughs> okay,
1: and uh, do you have any debt? Is your home paid for?
6: No, it's so I, I, that's the the only debt that I carry.
1: Yes. How much do you owe on your home?
6: Uh, Two thirty. Okay,
1: and is there any other money outside this four hundred one k?
6: Yeah, I get uh, a government annuity.
2: Okay, and will, will or you I also will when I retire? Will you also receive Social Security or no?
1: Yes. So you're going to take thirty six thousand dollars yes. a month out of this account so, a year a year i'm sorry no. thirty six thousand dollars a yeah. year so you're <laughs> at about, <laughs> a month would kill you're, you're yeah. at about a four point five percent distribution um so if you so w- w- what what happens in um in a situation like this is if you build an allocation and you recognize that that is the allocation the, the worst thing that can happen to your portfolio is to change that allocation based on external events. So mm-hmm. we saw it in the uh, recession where people had a 60-40 or 50-50 allocation, and they changed that based on uh, market uh, volatility. What they did is they and, never and
2: generally not in the positive direction.
1: Correct. They didn't increase their equity exposure when the markets are down. People typically decreased they it. Decreased it. Right. right. Which is, which mm-hmm. is, so you ask yourself, number one, did you do that during the last recession? Did you decrease your uh, equity allocation, your stock allocation? I did not. Okay. No. And And you've, you've been putting money into this for how many years?
6: 25.
1: Okay, and have you? Do you know what the allocation is approximately between stock and bond? Well,
6: because I get to pick it, uh-huh. um, I would say sixty forty to um, bonds stocks. 60% okay, sixty percent bonds.
2: Okay, okay. Um, I, I think that's within the realm I, of what's reasonable. I, I think, given, given what he, how the conversation started with a bit of concern towards. Yes, I risk. get
1: I get that, but the yeah. distribution is a little bit large right. for. Yeah, that. but is your
2: is your concern? Do you need to leave eight hundred thousand to anyone at the end of your life, no. or are you okay bouncing I, your I last do, check?
6: I am good at bouncing my last check. Okay. Um, I, I
1: I would lower the distribution to probably twenty five hundred dollars a month. Okay. okay. It, given the fact that you are sixty percent bonds and forty percent. Uh, equities or stocks and net mm-hmm. of fees uh, at least to start the retirement.
2: You'll be, you'll be what age? 63 in retirement.
1: He's 61 now, right?
6: Yeah. 63, 64. Okay. Yeah. I haven't picked the specific date yet.
1: Yeah. So I would and I hear, I listen to other uh, financial talk show and people say, well, you know, we've got an active allocation and we know when to get out of the market and into the market. That's all garbage. <laughs> that is garbage. I agree with
0: that.
1: Yep. No one knows, right? No right. one, correct? No, no one, no one knows over a period of time what it is. And then you look at some of the best minds in investing, the Warren Buffetts. What did Warren Buffett do to, to doing the the last financial crisis? He was buying. He wasn't yep. selling; he was buying, and he had the ability to do that. So I would stick at the uh, sixty forty, not worry too much about China, and then I'd lower the distribution to twenty five hundred a month.
2: Well, th- the other thing you could do would be y- you keep your your distribution w- in terms of where you want it, and you work until you have enough money. So, for instance. Um, you work until you have nine hundred thousand in your retirement plan. So, if that's two years, great. If it's two and a half years, if it's three years, that would be a way to, I think, be consistent with what Pat's saying in terms of a percentage. So that the you know, money that you mentioned, the thirty-six thousand a year, um, right, w- w- would be within the realm of where he's saying he's comfortable, based upon that. Right. that yeah. That different dollar amount.
1: Yeah. And, and what drives that? If your portfolio was a, a little bit more equity weighted, and I'm not advocating for that, uh, given your risk tolerance, you I'd be comfortable with a higher percentage distribution over a long period of time. But even then, David's comfortable telling you that $3,000 a month, recognizing that the likelihood that you're going to use some principal was higher than the $2,500 a month. Um, but that's okay. But that's okay, right? If mm-hmm. the last check you write uh, is supposed to bounce, which is, by the way, very very difficult, because typically, <laughs> yeah, if the last yeah. check you yeah. write bounces, you've probably bounced other checks in your life as well. <laughs> so, yeah, good point. Anyway, appreciate the call. All right, thank you. Thank, take care. The uh, I like San Antonio. Yeah, I went to the Alamo. <laughs> it's like a big. It was like a big fort. I thought you were going to say you like the Spurs. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a, a fan of the uh, the Spurs. Anyway, we're gonna take some more calls. If you'd like to join the show, that's eight three three nine 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 six seven eight four or eight three three ninety nine worth, and we'll get you on the air. Oh, after this call, let's talk about uh, we. Um, oh, we talked to uh, uh, the Fair first half calling. of the show about yep. uh, these index annuities and what's going on in that marketplace. So we're gonna talk to Terry in California, and then uh, we will cover some other topics. Terry, thanks for joining the show.
5: Well, I've heard on past shows that you recommend that when uh, financially feasible that people should max out their retirement plans. That's correct. I'm familiar with, like, the 401Ks and 401 Roths and traditional IRAs and uh, Roth IRAs. But I, I know there's a lot of other different types of retirement plans out there, and each of them have different maximums, and whether or not you uh, can, uh, if you're over age 50, you can contribute more. But um, and there's different combinations of of retirement plans that are eligible for that people are eligible. For. That's correct. So, I mean, I'm a salaried employee, so I know that I'm probably restricted to the 401ks and the IRAs, but are there maximums and are there different combinations of maximums and do they phase out at different uh, Uh, salaries?
1: Yes, yes, and yes. Um, There are any number of different plans available to different people based upon – what their employer offers, and what type of job they have. so
2: And their income.
1: And and your income. Uh, and then whether you can deduct an IRA contribution or not deduct an IRA contribution. So as an example, you could work for a county and you could have both what's called a 457 deferred compensation plan available to you and a 401k, but only if you work for either a state or municipality where you could be in a nonprofit and have access to either both a 403b and or a 401k. So it is all different. So rather than us try to talk Go about through everyone. every derivative <laughs> let, let us ask you some questions and then we'll answer your particular uh, question. Sure.
2: What do you okay. have available what do you have available to you?
5: I have uh... I have money in a 401k, and I have money also in a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Supposedly, I haven't investigated this, but I could get my 401k done after taxes, so I'm assuming that's a Roth IRA or 401k. No,
2: no, we'll circle back around to that, but okay, go on.
5: Um, So that's what I have available for me.
2: So to be be clear, you're maxing the pre-tax nature of your 401k?
5: Yes. And
2: the, and the employer does not offer any other employer sponsored plans, correct? No 457, no non qualified deferred correct. compensation. Okay. And what's your approximate correct.
1: income? About 160. And your age?
5: Uh, 54.
2: And how much are you putting in the 401k now? F- completely maxing oh. with catch up?
5: Uh, I'm not doing the catch up yet. I, I th- so I'm thinking it's about 18,000, 19,000.
3: Okay.
1: And are you making contributions into a, an IRA, a Roth IRA, in addition to the four hundred one k?
5: I mean, this year I put uh, you know six thousand into my Roth um, IRA earlier in the year. Okay.
2: All right. So, do you ha- what do you have in additional income that you can deploy to savings?
5: Um, basically, it's just my salary.
1: So could you could what? you save another five thousand or ten thousand dollars a year? Oh yes, yes, I could.
2: And and where is that line? That's what we're trying to figure out. Is it five? Is it ten? Is it twenty?
1: How much more can you um, save?
5: Oh, well, I could probably save another ten thousand.
1: Okay. All right. So the first thing to do is to use the catch up on right. the
2: four hundred one k. Yep that's gonna that's gonna take sixty percent roughly of the the ten you're looking at. Right. going To get a tax benefit what, uh, in retirement. Uh, will you have a pension? No, okay, so it'd be social security and whatever you draw from your savings, correct?
5: Correct, and any other savings I might have
1: at the time, sure. And are you okay. married? Yes, I am. And does your wife contribute to uh, is she employed outside of the home?
5: Uh, yes, uh, she doesn't make that much though.
1: Does she have a 401k available to her?
5: Uh, I think she does. Okay, well then She's there's not contributing.
2: Yeah, well there there we go. And the other option would be: does she
1: do you fund a Roth for her? No, not yet. Okay, okay. So those so that's that's is she younger than you or the same age? Same age. Okay, so that's so we're gonna tick through the boxes, right? Uh, you okay? Uh, do the catch up on yours, your four hundred one k. Make sure the allocation is appropriate for you. So you actually want to. Take the portfolios and build a portfolio. Make sure that it is appropriate for you in terms of a risk uh, return ratio and how much equities versus bonds and other things in the portfolio. You want to do the maximum, including the catch up on yours. You want to do the maximum, including the catch up on your wife's. And then you want to take the difference uh, and you want to make contributions into uh, Roth IRAs for both you and your spouse. So you got a lot of so room.
5: How much, so how much can we contribute to the Roth IRA um Outside the 401k
1: limits. Uh, so it, it, uh, it, it's driven by income, but there is a way around uh, that a little bit. And this is a little bit complicated, but I will attempt to uh, explain it to you. What you could do is you could take your existing IRAs and transfer them into your company 401k plan. Right? Take your existing okay. IRAs and transfer them back into your company 401k. And then you can make a non-deductible IRA contribution into your IRAs. you don't receive a tax deduction on it, but you uh, there's no income limits on that. and then you convert that to your Roth IRA the very next day the very next day so Is that what's called the backdoor uh, conversion? You you, you could call it whatever you want. I've heard it called half a dozen different things, depending upon. But the code, I don't believe. The IRS code doesn't call it (laughs) backdoor (laughs) IRA. Uh, But, yes, uh, that that would be uh, one of the terms that it's used. And the reason you're doing it that way is if you don't do it that way, when you do the Roth conversion – it's on a pro rata basis, and it may cause some of your IRAs to be taxable. So,
2: but but right now you're you're not. What's your combined income? You mentioned I think one sixty earlier. Is that just you, or is that household income?
5: That's just me. And what's uh, her income? You might take it up another twenty or thirty thousand.
2: Okay, so you, I don't think you'll have to yeah, go you're, through you're the, the backdoor yeah. kind of structure. I think you could just f- focus directly on contributing. To her Roth, your Roth, and then I would at least do to the extent that she receives a match, have her put money into her 401k to at least get any free money that's available. Yeah. So you want to
1: do those four okay. things? Okay. All righty.
5: Um. Yeah, that sounds good.
1: All right. Appreciate the call.
5: All right. Thank you very much. Thanks.
1: Take uh, care. Yeah.
2: There is. No, there's a There's a lot of uh, lot of options, and then even the after tax. Uh, 401k was going to be something, uh, you can even we, do we, something didn't, we didn't get to, but well, that would be uh, even another uh, and backdoor.
1: Oftentimes, yeah. that's dependent upon the size of the employer and how many participants sure. are in the plan and uh, oh, yeah, whether the plan's top-heavy or... Uh, <laughs> anyway, hey, before we go uh, back to the phones, we're going to talk real quickly about this article that uh, I read recently, which is this uh, came out of... Where am I? Investment News? Yes. Uh, Investment News. And it was an article, and it was titled Security Benefit Indexed Annuity Fraud Lawsuit May Signal Trouble for Other Insurers. So Security Benefit Life is a uh, large seller of uh, indexed annuities, and this is a lawsuit that was filed um, by Howard Rosen, and it uh, targets the insurer's indexed annuity products and their own proprietary indexes. So and like how, basically yours, the way it was sold. Yeah. This is how yep. it was sold. So here is a quick background on indexed annuities. Indexed annuities, the sales of indexed annuities have gone, they've skyrocketed in the last 10 years. And part of it has to do with these insurance companies and salespeople uh, feeding on the fear of um, volatility in a marketplace. So what do these insurance companies tell you? Well, the insurance companies come to you and they say, hey, look, here's the deal. You put money in here. You wrap it up for 10 years. If you take it out, you know, I'm going to charge you a big surrender charge, sometimes 10 to 15 percent of your deposit. But if you keep it in there for 10 years, I'm going to allow you to participate in the returns of a particular index. A portion of it a mm-hmm. portion of it, and sometimes it's capped on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, annual basis. And that excludes dividends. And it used to be uh, that the S&P 500 or the total market was the index that they would use, and they would say, hey, look, if you put your money in here, you're going to get at least uh, 50% of the returns of the As market. As an example. As right? an Some example. Are much
2: lower than that, but yeah. yes, As
1: on. an example, and... Um, uh, and you can't participate for any more than 5% in any one particular quarter. So what this does was it kind of limits the, um, the risk for the insurance company. And as I mentioned earlier. That kind of, it does. About <laughs> about what insurance companies do. What, what, is, what is the insurance company doing with your money to make it so magic that they can do this? They're buying bonds. They're buying bonds. And then what are they doing with the income off the bonds, David? They're taking some of
2: it. And the rest of it, they're deploying to paying those returns.
1: And and they're using options on some underlying index. So yes. they're buying options on an underlying index. Well, the insurance companies are like, wow, you know, we we, we, we could get ourselves in trouble here because um, we have downside and we don't know what these options are going to cost on a particular index. So what they started doing was creating their own index. Well,
2: furthermore, say. as we've seen Uh, participation rates come down, down, down. What is a participation rate? How much you get the cap, how much you get as a percentage of said index. So 10 years ago, it might have been 50 or 60%. It might be down to 30% today. So your ceiling is much lower. Which means that you're not going to
1: participate as once you Correct. Thought you went to So
2: from a sales perspective, it's not appealing to buy. So you might see sales sag. So what did they do?
1: They created this whole new index, index, which actually um, they knew going in how much, uh, historically speaking, how much volatility or rate of return these particular hybrid indexes. So what they do is they, they mix two or three or four different indexes together.
2: And put in other asset
1: classes
2: and structure it in such a way that you would never see the upside potential. And so, therefore, they could take off the participation rates or the caps and
1: sell it as we don't have a participation rate. These are so difficult. Uh, So if you're listening, saying, what are these guys talking about? Um, There are... they're difficult uh, to understand if you do not have a background in finance and most certainly a background in insurance products or structures. My guess is that half the people that are selling these things don't quite really understand how they work. Um, but this is just another reason that you hear us harp on a continual basis about index annuities and why we don't like them. It's one more smoke and mirrors, uh, a reason for these uh, big insurance collect that insurance companies collect high fees on your account. So anyway, we are about out of time. We appreciate you joining us. We are here each and every weekend. And as always on your favorite podcast provider. And if you are listening on podcast, if you would do me the great favor of going in and rating us and even sharing it with a friend or two. So we will see you same place, same time next week. You've been listening to All
0: Worse Money Matters.